Hi, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. No matter where you are on your life's journey, you need to consider the resources you wanna have someday into the future. And potentially beyond that, what will those resources provide you or provide for your family or the people that you influence? Talking about wealth can be scary or intimidating, but no matter where you are on your journey, it's important that we consider where we are and where we wanna go and build the skills and knowledge to get there. Today, I had an awesome conversation with Brett Tanner. and We talked about changing your mindset about wealth the habits you need to form to create success over time. Brett has a world of experience in this area, and I'm excited for you to hear everything he has to share, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We have Brett Tanner on today. Very lucky to have him here. and He is a leader, innovator, investor, and top-selling real estate agent. Brett Tanner blends a unique marketing methodology with results-driven approach to real estate. Brett's real estate team of 40-plus agents is ranked, no big deal, top 10 in the country by Wall Street Journal with over $2 billion in real estate sales. Today, Brett leverages his expertise as a sought-after national speaker, mentor across multiple industries, focused on entrepreneurial business growth and leadership. Brett, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm a big fan. Uh, the one thing is uh, very dear to me. So I'm, I'm very excited to be here. And it's an absolute honor to get to be here with you. Uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. Do you mind giving the listeners a little bit of background in your experience and what you're up to these days? Yeah. So I started, I actually came, I'm a real estate agent professionally, but I came into the business a little bit backwards, right? So I, I was an investor first. I was out there buying houses with my own money and I got my real estate license I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, and I wanted to get on the passive income journey. I realized real estate was the place for me to be, and so I started as an investor. And then I found it necessary to get my license. Uh, I had no intention of being the traditional realtor and helping buyers and sellers. I just wanted to do my own deals, and that turned into helping uh, a buddy buy and a buddy sell. And I ended up growing a, a really big real estate business, one of the biggest in the country. And alongside, though, what was different about I think my business than others is I always treated it as two different components. I had an investing component. So I woke up every day as an investor looking for deals, looking to add cash flow, and looking to create wealth. And then I had my day job, which I was a real estate agent, out helping other people buy and sell, and some of those people invest. And ultimately, that led me to kind of to today, where I've taught others and I'm helping others realize that real estate is one of the greatest tools to build wealth. And how can they do it in terms of just taxes, passive income, and really the secrets that I wish I would have known. 15 years ago or 20 years ago when I started my journey, I want to help people realize that and realize massive wealth in their lives today. And so that's that's where I spend the majority of my time today is is a, is a coach and teacher in the wealth space. That's so cool. I uh, I also read, <clears throat> excuse me, Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, a few years back, maybe like six years ago now. And it, it, was, it was awesome. Transformational for me. The whole Rich Dad series, I, I think there's maybe three or four books in there. Yeah, I mean that's a book for a lot of people, you know. So I'm uh, I'm quite a bit older than you, and so that book, you know, hit me at a time when I was, you know, 20 years old, coming out, you know, out of college, ready to go get the world going. And I, I just that that book was one of the pivots for me. It was one of the changes that really lit the arc, uh, lit the fire in my life to go to go do what I ultimately did. That's great. I mean, it's it's January, and uh, for so many people, it's goal setting season, and everybody's thinking about what they want to accomplish this year, and maybe doing a gut check on. Where they want to get to someday in the future, and interesting that there's a a poll that was done by Charter, 
and it, it distributed the different areas or they pulled the different areas that people set goals or looking to set goals in 2023. And uh, number two, uh, by, by a very small margin was money and finances. So what a great time to talk about uh, wealth building and and how real estate, you can leverage real estate to do that and your expertise. But uh, any any guess on what number one was? Oh, I'll, I'll go health, the classic health. You nailed it. Yeah. Improving physical health was was number one. But again, very small margins. So people are clearly focused on this. I mean, always, of course, but it's not any different today. And it's it's important. So if somebody's looking to to get started, let's say they're just new in this journey and they, they want to get started, is there any advice you'd, you'd give for them just out of the gate to, to get going on this journey to build wealth? Well, I'm going to answer. I'm going to step back and I want to answer that. I mean, the first way I think about it is there's a lot of reasons why money and health are usually always number one and two on any of those lists you see. And both of the things require committed effort over time, right? Like, Chris, you and I can't go to the gym today, crank on some bicep sets, and we're going to be ripped. It's just not going to happen, right? It's We've got to have a plan that is delivered over time. And so money and fitness and health you have to have faith in the process, but it's going to take time to get the result you want. And so tied to money, right? The first, I think, opportunity for folks is most people have no clue the final destination they want to land with their wealth. So I would go at some distant point in the future, like at our workshops that we teach, go 30 years out with your wealth. What do you want it to look like? What's your number? And pick the biggest number you can think of. And for the sake of our conversation, we'll throw out $50 million. I'm just making up a number. And at some of our, our trainings, we actually have people, the homework is you have to come in with a plan 30 years from now for how you're going to create $50 million in net worth. So, and then we pick a number that's big. And the idea is now we go all the way back to today. And it ties in a lot of one thing principles. We're going to go back to now. What do we have to do this year? Right. And what are we, where do I need to be by January 1 of 2024? Where do I need to be January 1 of 2025? So I'm on track for my $50 million 30 years from today. And the reason people miss their financial goals, it's not because they got off track. Everybody got off track. The people that hit their financial goals got off track, but saw it early enough that they could fix it, right? If I'm off track by January of 2024, it's no big deal. I can course correct, make some changes, and I'll land at the destination that I wanted. So most people have no plan. They spend more time planning a vacation. Or a really big vacation, the average person spends over 20 hours planning it. I always ask, well, how many people here spend 20 hours planning their wealth or their net worth, or what they wanted their life financially to be like in 30 years, and all the hands in the room go down. And so that's the big opportunity, right? It's the start of this year. So number one, where do you want to be? Number two, what I would say is, what is the strategic plan? What's your one, three, five, right? What's your one goal for wealth this year? What are the three priorities around that wealth goal? And what are your five strategies to actually do that? And most people, everybody's got a business plan, right? If you're an entrepreneur, you've got, you might have some other planning tools you use, but do you have a wealth plan? Like most people don't, right? So go and think, where do I want to be 30 years now? What do I got to execute on this year? And part of that plan should be around education. What are you putting in your mind? What are you reading? There's so many great, I mean, great books and podcasts and seminars and things you can do today that just weren't available in the past. So it was a long-winded answer and a kind of a rant, but I really think it all starts with, where do you want to be in the end of this thing? What is, what is the purpose of that? What's the purpose of that really big number? What does it do for you? Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. 
With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Mm, I love that you went there and it's so there's so much alignment with the, with what you're saying and, and what we what we believe in and zooming out and, and going out and imagining someday or if it's 30 years, that's great. I mean, if, if, if that's hard for you, at least get out five, seven, 10 years. Um, and, and from your perspective, in addition to what you said, what does getting out that far enable you to do or what does it free up for you so you can have the right mindset? Here's the first thing he does. And the reason I force people to pick a number that big of 50 million, because people are like, oh, that's just so big. I can't imagine that, right? Yet when they roll it back overwhelmingly, the people that do it, they all say the same thing, right? The comments are, it wasn't it wasn't as much as I thought it was going to be, right? It wasn't this crazy, like what I had to do this year wasn't that much relative to the fact that it was going to be $50 million at 30 years from now. So the reason why you want to zoom out, again, go back to the money and fitness conversation, we've got to zoom out that far. Because money takes time, right? The compounding nature of money and wealth, all the values creating in the compound. And if you look at like, you put away, pick your number, I'm going to put away five grand a month for X period of time. If you look at the difference in five, 10 or 30 years, right? By year five, your investment capital versus the return might be half and half, or it might be some blend, right? When you get all the way out there to 30 years, you'll realize that you only put in about 1% of the money and 99% of the gain, gain came from letting the money work for that really, really long period of time. And so I think getting people to pick a really big number that they thought probably wasn't possible and then force them to actually write a plan to do it, if, if that's the big unlock in people's minds, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I can actually do this. I could be one of the wealthiest people I've ever met by starting today. And that's what's so cool about that, that mindset unlock of going out further. Yeah, I love that. And and we we tend to just dramatically underestimate what we can accomplish in, in bigger intervals of time. And in my experience, it even from my from my own experience and the and the time I've spent with others and going through this is it you just tend to root yourself in the limitations and limitations, the resources you have today and the constraints that you have today. And if you try to build from that, it's hard to see over the horizon versus if you just say, let's be crazy, like what would extraordinary look like 30 years in the future, 50 million, 100 million. When you start to walk that back to from 30 to 20 to 10 to 5 to 3 to 1 to this week, you're like, well, actually, it's possible. I think people, and I think to, to echo what you're saying, I think people miss the compounding nature of just many things in life, right? We all know about compounding and money. I don't think they realize that probably one of the greater forces is the compounding value in relationships over time, right? I mean, you, you don't think about it that way, but I look at a lot of the things that I do in my life today, and I, I'm really blessed with it. I have some really cool relationships with folks, and but those relationships started 15 years ago. And so the compounding nature took it to what it is today, but it didn't start there. And so I think people overlook like the compounding nature in health, in relationships with your spouse, with your kids, with your money, 
Start thinking about compounding differently. Everything's going to compound over time, either positively or negatively, and you get to pick which one that is. Yeah, you know, I have, I have, I'm going to try not to butcher this, but in, if uh, I, I read this recently, and if you double a piece of paper, right, a seven and a half by 11 or seven by 11 and a half, whatever it is, if you double it seven times, it's like an inch and a half. But if you double it 50 times, the distance would reach from here past the sun. And it's crazy when you think about the, the power of doubling and, and the exponent that you mentioned. Yeah, it really, I mean, we, I think we all as kids understand compounding, but I think when you really obsess about it and look at what happens from that and what happens from the compounding piece, like as an example, if you've got some investment that's paying you out $3,000 a month, that's awesome, right? The question I always think about, what can that $3,000 do to create another $300 that create that, that $300? Can that create another $3 as an example? And that keeps, I mean, that's where real, real wealth and values created is on just the compounding of the compound of the compound that can really make the massive difference in people's lives. Yeah. In addition to the the idea of like zooming out in mindset to just kind of break free of of those limitations from a just imagining the math, like what are some of the other limiting beliefs that you see show up for people when they want to get started on this this path? Uh, I'd say that the major limiting beliefs are uh, doesn't work in my area, right? In terms of money, like there's some if the real estate's the vehicle or debt's the vehicle, uh, doesn't work in my area, right? One big belief uh, won't work for me, right? I've got some background situation, uh, upbringing, right? That that can be there. Uh, a lot of people bring their past into their current world, or their parents maybe weren't very wealthy. A lot of people get their money advice from their parents, right? So a limiting belief is, well, my parents weren't wealthy. How can I be? Uh, I think those would be the big ones you would see uh, with folks around that. And and what's so interesting is all those can be like, we can bust those myths just, I mean, really easily. But I think that's what locks people into a a scarcity mindset of those those items. Yeah, that that makes sense. You know, environment, past experience, the, this won't work for me. Something that I've, I've experienced recently at our, we have our company's annual goal setting retreat and this came up a few times and, and someone was saying, well, I'm, I'm just a little too late in the game to, to start doing this. And, and that's, you know, sooner is obviously better when it comes to, to the, the nature of compounding, but it's never too late, right? Well, it's funny. I, I hear that a lot, right? Oh, it's later in the game. Well, well five years from now, you're going to wake up one way or another, right? So yeah, hopefully <laughs> you're just gonna, the future is going to come regardless, provided you're here. So would you rather be further ahead or in the same spot you're in today, right? And so... Uh, you're seeing a lot of people though, where they're they're coming into their stride later, and that's totally fine. I think that the key part, right, is just to understand you might have to do some things faster and push a little harder if you want to have a really big goal. But it, there's no bad time to start. I think the key is just getting really granular on what is it you really want. And I think also people have to unlock what does money mean to you? What is, why is it? What are you really going after with money, and and what's driving it? You know. So for me, I think like, why. Why do I want the 50 million or 100 million? Pick the number, right? So the reason for me was freedom, right? I wanted freedom of the work I got to do. Like, how do I get to do the work? Where did I get to do it? Who I got to do it with, right? Those were the things that drove me, right? I wanted to run a company the way I want to run it. I wanted to run from where I want to run it. And I wanted to work with people that I wanted to work with. And so money allowed me to have those choices. And so that, that's what drove uh, my wealth creation. So people just need to figure out what's, what's driving you. Like, is it a legacy? Is it something else? Uh, what's going to get you when things are hard or whatever, or you've got to contribute more? What's going to have you push through it? What are those things that you need to look at? Yeah, absolutely. 
I always go back to the to the three P's, which is a, the backbone of the approach of the one thing, which is at the foundation is purpose that drives what you prioritize and ultimately what you can produce. But the the purpose is is what I'm I'm hearing you say there. It's like you have to understand what does that what is this ultimate resource going to enable you to do? Like what is that going to create for you in your life or others? Right, hundred percent. Yeah, and 100%. if you if you and maybe maybe for some <laughs> the 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 number is ju- is enough, and that's enough to to have purpose for you. But for others, maybe it it opens the door or at least unlocks some of the the belief and and the motivation to know that it's going to create something greater that you can have an impact one way or another. Now, I think what's really cool about setting big goals and thinking really, really big, um, and it sounds a little cliche, but I, I think it's just so true, is, is who you become in, in in creating that process, right? So I know that we're not going to have video today, but behind me sits a video that you're going to see, which is there's a sign behind me that says future billionaire, right? So I walk into my office every day, and that's the mindset that I have, right? That's what I'm playing for. That's what I'm driving at. And it just gets me aligned on where am I, where am I going? Now, why do I want to become a billionaire? Well, I want to do it because of who I get to become in the process and how many people I can impact. And if I want to impact a lot of folks, well, then that, that's got to be the goal, right? So smaller number, smaller, smaller prize. I want the big prize. And I think that, I think also people, what I would say, Chris, is people shoot too low. Mm. They have their goals too low and then they hit them. I would rather shoot really, really big. Now, not so big that we're just like, there's no hope. I mean, it's just not reality, but a, a little beyond what's real. Like, I think your goal should... If they're not scaring you a little, like if your financial goals aren't pushing you, I think it's not going to be inspiring. It's not going to be what I would rather push really, really big. And when you hit something really, really big, it gets that, that's what gets exciting. Yeah. You know, I, I, I go back and forth on, on levering, leveraging this, uh, this statement or this, um, this concept because it, it sometimes throws people for a loop and uh, it, it doesn't land. But I, I want to try and, and, and get your feedback on it. And we talk about like, what is the ultimate purpose of a goal? And you know, you hear a lot of, of of different things come back that make sense, that's tangible. And and what we challenge people to think about is a purpose of a goal uh, could also be to just be appropriate in the moment, right? To inform who you need to become. And it, it's less about achieving that goal, like set the goal, like in this big possibility arc that feels unachievable because it'll inform the type of person that you need to become and the behaviors that you need to have. And it can be less about achieving it if you miss the number by you know, 20%, assuming it's not like a budget goal. It's like, we can't pay our people like that's, you know, we're not talking about that, just something outlandish and you come up short of it, but on the path to trying to get to that point, it really pushes you to change your behavior and, and informs the person you need to become. So in the moment when you're faced with difficult decisions, do I do X or Y? X is obvious because it's who I need to become to earn the right to get to that place. Yeah, I, I I agree completely. My add-on to that would be like when you set a goal, uh, you've got, hey, I want to do X, right? I want to go generate $10,000 a month in passive income. Really, the next step of that, and I think that's what people miss, we've got that. Now I got to do what's the work? What are the habits? What are the activities? And what's the work to do that? Once you've got the tracking around, how am I tracking the habit? What's my scoreboard around that weekly? Once I've got that, I can almost throw the goal away. I mean, I still have that's the target. But the purpose of the goal is figure out what I want. And then I go to the actual activities that are going to get me there. And mm, so, I love the, yeah, I, I love know. that you talked about the habits, right? Like it's, it's okay. So we've, we've got this big goal that that's given us the information we need to work backwards from there, maybe into a, a little bit more uh, viewable interval, like a year. Um, and then you can get back down to a month and a week. And it's like, okay, well, what's the daily activity I have to do 
to work my way to to building the behaviors like you just everything you just said and and the habit that I need to form like what's that repetitive behavior or the series of habits it's maybe it's weekly or even monthly behavior like a budget review something like that a hundred percent I mean one of the I mean it, it kind of relates to this conversation one of the things I think about there's just three on the wealth building side there's just three key I think relationships to think about right so who are you modeling who's your mentor in wealth right and how does that relate to your goal Who's at your level that's on the same journey that they want that same goal? Like who's at your level and who's maybe below your level that you can lift up, right? So like who's your mentor? Who's your tribe? Who are you with? And right, who are you lifting up? Who are you mentoring? And I think around any goal, if you can wrap those three relationships into it, uh, I think that the goal and the plan and the fun becomes just more meaningful. You know, that's that's something I haven't uh, I haven't heard said that way before. I really... I really... I find that really interesting thinking about those three tiers of influence that you have and or need and one at the top being mentor. Um, but it, it's reciprocal for that mentor too, right? Because they have their three levels. And so you have mentor, then your your sphere of influence, your your tribe, as you say, and then the being considerate of who are you pulling up because they need a mentor and you're creating this chain uh, that's pulling you know multiple groups, multiple layers at once. Yeah, you think about it, right? Your mentor is giving you, they're, they've just seen, they're able to see down the path further than you, right? They've already been there. They've done what you wanted to do. They can give you great advice and kind of light the path as a guide, right? Your tribe is going to be the, hey, they want the same thing. we got people that are having our same experiences and we're able to gather energy and utilize that as a group that we all kind of want the same thing. And then your give back is you're going to get energy from the person you're lifting up, right? Like this new person's got, oh, I'm so excited. And you're lighting that path, you know, for them. And so anytime I look at a goal or something I, uh, that I'm going to go target, all right, who's the mentor? Who's my tribe? Who can I lift up on this journey? That's uh, great. And, you know, in some cases, even when you're mentoring, that person you're mentoring has a perspective you never thought of that actually benefits you too. Oh, I mean, you, you in fact, you may learn more from that relationship than any of the others. Mm. It might be that, that might be the insight that, uh, that you needed or the spark or the energy or the excitement. Yeah, that's such a great point. But we talked about habits. Uh, I want to go back to that because I think we could maybe give some examples if you're up for it, like of what you've seen to be successful habits for someone who wants to get momentum and start building their way towards a, a powerful wealth journey. First habit I would say is I would start measuring your education to entertainment ratio, right? I, I, I talk about this E to E ratio, right? Most everybody's all caught up on the latest season of Yellowstone or their latest series, right? Which is is awesome, by the way. But I would just say if you're spending an hour a day on Netflix, you better be spending at least an hour a day on your on your on your wealth or learning. So if you started thinking about that, hey, my my entry fee to watch Netflix tonight is I'm going to read a book or I'm going to uh, study a course or I'm going to do something in wealth building for the same amount of time, or I'm going to have a podcast or when I go on a run, I'll be listening to that. So first of all, I would just say what what are you putting in and what what ratio what ratio are you operating off of? So that'd be the first habit I would think about. The next thing I'd say, how are you leveraging net time, right? We've all got lines we're in. We've all got a drive, a commute, a plane ride, or something, right? So do you have content loaded up on your phone so that when you get in that moment where I was just flying back from, you and I were talking, I was flying back from Kauai for, I spent every year in Kauai for Christmas and New Year's, and the flight, of course, the way back, what did it not have? It didn't have Wi-Fi. So you have a seven-hour flight, and you're like, ooh, I kind of was counting on doing a little work there. But it's not a problem. I have, I, I always have two or three books in my, my backpack and I've got 50 hours of podcasts loaded up on my phone. So what did I do? 
I made it, I made it an opportunity where I can, I could jam out some serious learning opportunity. What's funny though, everybody had the same seven hours on the plane. I'm looking around on the plane. Now I, I paid my son actually to read a, a wealth book, by the way, on the way back, uh, which was awesome. And I'm looking over, he's reading, I'm reading. Most other people are playing games or, or doing whatever they're doing. Now, what's the difference? Well, that over time compounds to either massive wealth or, you know, you're really good at the latest game on your phone. And so I, I think my habits, I would look at my ratios and I'd look at, am I putting myself in a spot where I've got downtime? I can go plug into some great content and expand my mind, whether that's wealth or whatever, but you know, we're on the, we're, we're using it in terms of money. That's where I would go. I would just start looking at those things. And, and the last add-on, because I want to get the most, I want to get maximum impact in, in the least amount of time. So like I listen to podcasts at 2x speeds. Right. I go there, it's a little depending on how quickly the, the person talks, but I listen to 2x speed. And so I can, you know, a, a drive to my cabin takes three hours. I can listen to six hours of content on the way there and six hours on the way back. Well, I don't care what knowledge base you have, where you started, you start cranking it up at that level. You're going to become really knowledgeable about any subject really, really quickly. Mm, I do one and a half times. Two, sometimes um, I, I don't know. It, it's just right past where I feel like uh, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> It's funny. It took me a little bit. I was at one and a half and I got to the point where when I went to two, it required like so much focus. And I, and I liked it because I had to be, I couldn't think uh, of it. Else. I couldn't zone out. Like you would only be in the podcast in it to do it. That's great. So when you're thinking about habits related to the your wealth journey, think about first in measuring your rate, your EDE ratio. I love that. And I think a lot of people, to, just to drill into that one for a second, I'm sure a lot of people have the experience of trying to shift the ratio, but it just doesn't stick. So what, what I would challenge you to do, and I'm curious if you think about this as, this way as well, is what we call going smaller. Like get, get to the root of why you're challenged with balancing that ratio and, and ask yourself, like, what's the one thing you can do? Uh, let's say you're having a difficult time turning the TV off and you're watching Yellowstone till, till midnight. And uh, and chewing up too much time, you can't seem to get over that habit. Like figure out the one thing you can do um, that would be the smaller activity. Just try to drill into that. I'm not sure if you you see success with that as well. I think that's a great. I and mean, I think that to your point, start with start with hey, I'm going to do 15 minutes in the morning. That's going to be the first thing I do, and nothing can stop me from doing it. Right. So I love chunking it down, and and I would just the only other addition move it earlier in the day. Mm. Like the earlier in the day, I find out that I'm, if it's a habit like that, something that I know I want to get done and it takes an increment of time, I've just found the earlier the day I do it, the higher the likelihood that it actually occurs. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And we hear so often, <clears throat> we use a, an accountability tool called the, the 411. We talk about it a lot on here and it's where, it's, it's where you just write your goals down. You're 76% more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down and check in on them weekly. So if you if you write your goals down and you see the same thing showing up every week red because it's green or red whether or not you are successful in the weekly activity and it's red week over week and it's it's like oh I just I was supposed to do this thing I didn't do it and so that's an example of where we'll say like get down go smaller like think about like what's the activity behind the thing you're trying to do that's limiting your ability to do it No doubt that's a, yeah. that's a perfect way to think about it Okay, so the measuring your E to E ratio uh, and leveraging your net time. So when you when you've got some of that edge, that shoulder time, if you you can use it to your advantage versus it just being kind of waste time. I mean, I, I've been saying this this lately. I've been doing well. I've been I'm I'm very proud of the the progress on keeping the the screen time down. But I uh, I compare it to that that Adam Sandler movie Click. You remember that yeah. movie? 
yeah. I feel like when you pick up your phone, if you're not intentional about using it for something that is 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 building your your knowledge base, it's like fast forwarding. It's like hitting the fast forward on click where I like you go an hour and you're like, I literally gained nothing from that. I don't even remember what I watched. That's a, I tell you what, looking at your screen time and seeing where you're actually spending your time and how much was an eye-opening exercise. I mean, it, it for me, I started looking at why now the most used app on my phone happens to be the financial calculator. Uh, one of the most used apps, right? Because I'm running different, you know, financial calculations versus before it might have been Facebook or something, right? So I started looking at why am I, and so I actually went and deleted a lot of apps off my phone and just said, I just don't need, I'm not going to do it there. I'm going to time block for it and handle a different way. Uh, another habit though, I would say would be, how do you, you got to get in the habit of like with money, it's all a delayed gratification game, right? You can have everything you want if you're willing to wait for it. Mm-hmm. But if you have it all today, you're probably going to get a lot less of what you wanted in the future. And I think that today, especially when we're talking about our phones and, and social media, people want everything now. And it's you go online, you see everybody's got everything you already wanted, and they're just living this amazing life that you're not. And it's just not reality, right? So the more you can just get really, really real with what it actually takes to achieve things. And so I got the incredible opportunity to interview Gary at our at our wealth workshop. And he doesn't do a lot of interviews. And I was beyond honored to get to interview him. And I said, what would you say, Gary, to people that they want it all now? And, uh, you know, this social media, and I just want to be on it. He goes, well, I, I have one, one comment. And he goes, I don't know if this relates. He goes, I've just, I'm like, how did you handle that? And he said, you know what, Brett, I actually made peace with the process it actually takes to achieve things. And I, I kind of looked at him weird. I'm like, did you just create that? Right. Like you just, I mean, and he's just such a genius. Right. But like, that was so profound to me, and I've thought about it. How many of us have made pro- had made peace with the process it actually takes to achieve things? That's right? pretty so, cool. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, for 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 the listeners, uh, Gary Gary Keller, author of the One Thing, uh, founder of Keller Williams, knows what he's talking about. Hundred percent. One of the <laughs> smartest, one of the smartest uh, humans on the planet, no doubt. Yeah, and he has an amazing guitar collection for any guitar buffs out there like myself. Um, blown away at some of the stuff he's got uh, in his office. Uh, so you talked about that third habit area, which is like maximum impact. So just thinking about how can you leverage and get the most value out of your time when you are in those those knowledge, I guess, building uh, opportunities. Yeah, and I, I think that when I when I look at all habits, right, we're all trying to get max result in the least amount of time or effort, right? So how do we do that? And I think that just constantly asking that question, right? How do I, if I want the most out of my money, what do I got to do, right? Go to the, you know, of course, we're at the one thing, right? What's the one thing I could do with my money such that I do makes it easier and necessary? Well, well, have a plan for your money. Automate it. When money comes in to your account, do you have automatic flows baked into where this dollar goes here and every dollar is assigned? Well, you should, right? Every dollar should have a job. And so I think just giving really aware with your money. And, and one last, I mean, just comment there. I have like, do you know the balances on all of your accounts all the time? Like I, I, I'm the CEO of five different businesses these days. I can tell you every business account balance every day off the top of my head. Why? I log in because I've got connectivity to my money. Now people say, Brad, oh, you're, that's obsessive. You're crazy. I don't know. I'm crazy about generating massive wealth. And the more connected I am to my money, the greater connectivity I have, the more money I'm going to have. And so I think people getting closer to it. Like I'll ask people, hey, Chris, what's the interest rate on your house? Or what's your homeowner's insurance cost? Or what are your property taxes? And, and then someone say, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, how do you, you got to know those things, right? Those mm-hmm. are like, those are really simple numbers that we all need to know. 
And even, I mean, today I have, you know, over a hundred rental properties. I bet you, I could tell you the, what the mortgage rate is. If there's a mortgage on it, I bet I could tell you the balance. I bet you, I could tell you the property taxes on the pretty close on most of them because I'm connected to it. I pay attention to those things because that's what drives my wealth. So awareness is just another habit that take, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this, go for the next month, log into your bank, log into your credit card every day for a month and just see what you learn. You're going to ask, like, why did, what, what did we spend yesterday? Or, oh, that's a subscription I didn't need. Or, that, oh, that's a charge I missed. Right. And just start being aware uh, of your money. Yeah. What, what a great point. And, you know, I had a habit that I formed in my kind of middle 20s. Uh, we, we were building a business called iFly, which is an indoor skydiving business. Uh, and there's one of them near you in, uh, in I've done Scottsdale. It with that it's super cool. Yeah. Well, fun fact: if you uh, if you remember, if you if you go into uh, the classroom to watch the video before you go fly, I'm the actor in the classroom video. So, <laughs> oh, I got to bring that up to my kids. That's super cool. Yeah, we we we've met virtually before. But when we were building that business, I started to get really my financial acumen was growing, my ability to to measure you know the the different components of success in the business from the financial side, and I looked at that against how I was measuring my performance personally in my finances. Like, well, there's a big disparity here. And uh, I started to form a habit of just doing a monthly budget review, and it you know was very basic, you know, just a budget. And then over time, it grew in complexity and and into scorecards and and balance sheets and all those things. And over time, it just it just became more and more and more in depth. And it was one of the best habits I could have ever formed because it forces you to educate yourself on the numbers that you're talking about. Uh, yeah, the, uh, another fundamental habit would just be if you're not tracking your net worth at least mm. at minimum every single month. Like every month, I don't care if it's negative. I don't, I don't, I don't, I really don't care where you start. I care that you're tracking it so there's greater awareness. And like, like we talked earlier, you can get anywhere you want to be in time, but you've got to start with what are the facts, right? Where am I at? And, you know, good debt, bad debt. And let's figure out a way to get out of the bad debt. But tracking that, if you're not tracking your net worth every single month, financially, you're just not in the game. You're just, you're not even in the game. And that, that might be harsh, but, um, it's just true. You, you don't even have a starting place to know if you're... Because how do I know next month that my decisions led me to where I want to go if I don't even know where I'm at? And so I think that getting your, your balance sheet dialed in... And there's some cool apps and stuff on that today, but I'm still a fan of the old school manual, right? The old school, just old balance sheet in Excel, type it in. I do that activity every month. It takes me a couple hours. And it, it's the best thing I do for my money every single month. Yeah, and you don't have to play the how much of your data are you willing to trade for that technology game. <laughs> yeah, I don't play that game. I just log, I key it in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a manual old school Excel guy. There you go. Well, we've been talking a lot about the, for lack of a better term, maybe proactive kind of positive side of uh, the activities that you can start to generate. What are some of the maybe pitfalls or common like bigger challenges people run into from your perspective when they're trying to get going or even as the momentum's rolling? I would say, um, I think people overspend. Right? I think the average person today um, spends money before they should. Right? They're you know you'll go in a I'll go in a group and I'll, I'll see a bunch of people flying first class somewhere as an example. Right? And and I think first class is awesome. I think it's a treat. I think it's a luxury that if your wealth is there and your money's there, it's something you probably should do. But should you be doing that today, or should you have a more reasonable take and use that money to put it? and do uh, something that could make money so that you could fly first class all the time 20 years from now or whatever, right? So I think that one of the big people overspend, right? They overspend. It's usually not the first class ticket that's getting them. It's just all the day-to-day -day things that aren't necessary, right? I've got to have 
you know, the $25 juice. And I'm not like one of those, like, don't have Starbucks in the morning people, but I would just say, you got to be objective about what does it really take for your money? And so one of the ways I, I teach it is you go in a room and you're like, who in here's got, we call it burn rate. So what's your, what does it take you, Chris, to actually, well, I don't believe in budgeting. I think budgeting's harder. I look at burn rate. What are you naturally spending, Chris? There's a current amount of money you're spending. Don't you need to tell me. I'm just saying there's a certain amount of money you're already spending in your life when you're used to it. Cool. Let's take that amount of money. Now let's work on growing your income. Now just let's agree that the overage on your income, we're going to use all that for wealth building. All that overage is going to go there. And so I think when you start thinking about it from that perspective and looking at your real burn rate, what is it? I don't think people know. What does it really cost you to live? And one way to check that is set up three different checking, two checking accounts, one savings account. Go in there and every month, whatever your burn rate is, transfer it to the checking account's going to pay all the bills. So one, one checking account only collects money. The other just pays your bills. And so we're going to find out the first month, do you have more money or more month at the end of the month? And we want to look at that because if, if you have to transfer over, that's okay. Again, we're just all about creating connectivity with your money. Okay, I transferred money over, I overspent or whatever. And so I think most the biggest mistake is people are spending money today and really robbing from their future selves with typically with stuff that doesn't make money. And so the the flip to that, right, is how can I go buy an asset that creates cash flow that can buy me the thing that I want that's a personal thing that doesn't create money? And so just flipping that game around, how can I go buy a house, a piece of debt or whatever that would pay me $400 a month so now I can go lease the car or whatever that might make less sense? Yeah. I mean, what was that story that Robert Kiyosaki shared in one of his The Rich Dad series? He was talking about his wife wanted to buy a Mercedes or something and he's and he... he helped her get the financial education to say, hey, go buy you know whatever assets that would then produce the net uh, income that would then buy the Mercedes. And, uh, and I remember reading that years and years ago. I was like, that's, that's so insightful. Yeah. I mean, I still play that game today, right? If I want something like cash, personal... Cash flow? That it, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's an example, either from Cashflow Quadrant or it's from Rich Dad Poor Dad. It was a Porsche. And mm. he had his wife go out and get enough cash flow that would pay for the payment on the Porsche. Got before it. she got the Porsche. Yeah. That's right. Okay. That that makes sense. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So burn rate, that that's good. I mean, you hear a lot about burn rate, especially in uh like developing businesses, especially if they're they're pulling in um you know outside equity, if they're bringing money in and they got to know their burn rate and how long that money is gonna last before they can turn a profit. And it's a similar application for you personally. You you need to understand what your cash burn is so that you can understand uh what the the net is between what's coming in and what's going out. Yeah, how do you how do you win, right? So the goal is not to try to figure out how small I can make my burn rate. The goal is just to lock into a number and say, okay, I'm spending 10 grand a month. And what's interesting about burn rates, and the part of the story I forgot the, the second part of the story, which was if you go in a room of 50 people and you say, who's got a burn rate? Who's got like you know, two people, husband and wife, and two kids? And a bunch of hands will go up. And you're like, cool, what's your burn rate? It'd be like 10 grand, five grand, 12 grand, four. And you're like, wait a minute, you guys all live in the same city. You all have two kids. Well, how come your burn rate's five grand and your burn rate's 15 grand? You're both living in a house. You both got a couple cars. Well, what's the difference, right? Lifestyle. Mm. And so the person who's got the $5,000 burn rate versus the person with 15, they do have an edge, right? And that they can put away, if they get their income to the same amount, the 15 grand, they've got $10,000 a month they're putting into something for their future. So understanding your burn rate and locking into that number, then taking the financial education to raise your income at whatever level and make sure you take that overage and put it into something that makes money and actually gets you where you want to go. Yeah. You know, some, something that <clears throat> I've found interesting over the last few years is I've, I've paid more and more attention and um, 
I've seen an expense growth and burn rate on the health side. And you you see a lot more like monthly subscription, athletic greens, not a plug, but you know, the, like all these things that that you're like, man, this, I've noticed I'm spending a lot more money on my, my health. And some of it's like, you know, you're, you're doing it for the right reasons, but you start to ask like, where's that limit? And it comes back to, I think your point before, like, what's your long-term goal? And my long-term goal is to live a long and happy, healthy life. So it's, it's trying to strike that balance for me on seeing a swell on this area and I'm, I'm increasing my burn on that side, but man, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things I just feel like I ought to be signing up for. Yeah. I don't, I, and I look, I think if you're investing, you're hunting, it's an investment just like anything else, mm-hmm. but that's not real. I mean, that's not like our, our additional athletic greens or additional call map. Like those things aren't really that, that destructive. Right. I mean, that, and that's, that's small dollars. You're really just looking for the wasteful stuff. Like what are you wasting money on? That you're not using, right? Everybody's got five subscriptions they, they haven't logged into, right? Everybody's got something, you know, you went on Amazon and bought something that was a nice to have, not a need to have. Um, and it's not, it's not about living cheap for cheap sake. It's just about getting your world in order so that at some point in the future, you can live a really awesome life, right? We only get one shot at this. And so one of my favorite quotes is they say we have two lives. The second one begins when we realize we only have one. And I think about it, it's the 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 screensaver on my phone, but I think about that. And so, you know, what I'm doing or the things I'm doing is to create this, this life where I can do really epic things with my family. And the way, to, the only way that I found to do that was to have a really strategic plan around your money so you could get where you wanted to go. That's so cool. So pay attention to your burn rate, be intentional, watch out for the, the, the things that you're just wasting money on and you can trim that off and Get get a set rate that you feel comfortable with, and then it's it's stable so that you can you can budget against it. A hundred percent. I mean, and last, I mean, I, I, it's kind of like a money, just oh, like a, a hack or habit. But one thing I would say, most people, like the biggest expense for most of the people listening to this, will be taxes. Right at the end of the year, taxes represent one of our largest expense. And yet, Chris, you know what's interesting about taxes? It's the thing I think people, if we were to interview them and survey it, it's the thing they know the least about. Hmm. Right. Most people go to the end of the year, they give their CPX amount of dollars to file their tax return, and they're usually just frustrated. Hey, I'm paying more than I think I should, and I don't really understand it. And I and it's just frustrating. And so that and that was me for up until 10 years ago. And what I realized is it's actually not that hard to understand taxes. And what if you started looking at taxes as a playbook, right? It's government incentives to go do activities they want, whether that's low-income housing or whether that's energy. And so I think for most folks, getting really great at taxes, understanding that could actually allow them to live a better life, save money, and actually create wealth with the taxes they're saving. So just one thing I would just challenge people on your money journey is, do you understand your taxes, do you understand what you're paying? And is there a way where you can legally, ethically, and morally reduce your taxes by 10, 20, or 30% and then use that money to start your wealth journey, right? It's all just, it's all education. There's so many great ways to educate yourself on taxes, which represent your largest expense. Great call out. And uh, yeah, it's something that it feels like you have the least amount of education on. And like, to your point, has the greatest consistent, uh, is the greatest consistent expense for most people. Yeah, if you'd have told me 10 years ago, that 10 years later, I would be uh, speaking and training uh, for entrepreneurs on how to like lower their taxes. And me, I wouldn't have dreamed that that would have been what I do. But I, I read all that stuff because, it, again, it's my biggest expense. Like one of my mentors said, if I could spend a dollar or spend 20% of my time saving the dollar I already have, it's a good use of your time. 
in taxes for that dollar that you already have. Awesome. Well, if the listeners want to learn more about this or they, they want to check you out or, or find more information about the things you do teach and, and uh, have access to, where can they find you? Yeah, you go to mykwwealth.com. Mykwwealth.com is some of our, our educational resources on the wealth building side. And we've got a free Facebook group, uh, which is Be a Wealthy Agent. Uh, there's a request to join. It's free. And we've got some great content in there and education and be a wealthy agent on Facebook. Awesome. Brett, hey, thanks so much for doing this with us, being on the podcast. It's a, it's a great topic and this is an awesome conversation. Hey, Chris, my pleasure. Thanks for all you guys do for so many and inspiring so many entrepreneurs. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.